Well, losing a football game is bad enough. Second-guessing yourself after you lose is even worse. Freddie Kitchens and the Browns find themselves in that situation this morning after a 20-13 loss to the Los Angeles Rams last night at First Energy Stadium. This is a uh, Spielman and Hooley Monday episode where we'll look at the Browns' loss, the Buckeyes' big victory over Miami of Ohio on Saturday, and uh, fold that into the context of what we saw at Wisconsin, Chris. You were in Philadelphia for the Lions' win over the Eagles. Did you get a chance to watch any of Michigan? Watch the whole Michigan game, just how the schedule worked out, and it was just a... I can't recognize what I'm seeing on the field. I did the Lions-Philadelphia Eagle game yesterday, and I talked to a lot of my old buddies from Michigan in the press, and they're asking me. And it comes down to this, and this is just my opinion, but people can say what they want about Jim Harbaugh, and maybe he's lost it a little bit. I don't know as far as being in touch. It seems like he's out of touch. That's what they say. But to me, it's talent. It's, there's such a discrepancy in talent. When you compare Ohio State's talent to Michigan's talent, it's not even close. I agree 100%. And I have no idea how it got that way. Michigan should never be in a position for wanting for talent. I mean, Don Brown's a good football coach. Mm-hmm. Ed Warner's a good offensive line coach. And you, the, the other thing that, that people aren't talking about is that you have to be able to recruit. If you want to run that offense, you have to recruit to that offense. Yes. They haven't been recruiting to that offense. And so it's a, it's a mess right now. It's a big mess now. It's one loss into the Big Ten, so they certainly can turn it around, but I don't see any signs of them turning around. Not, I mean, people are complaining about the offense. I mean, you look at it. Jonathan Taylor had to get IVs after the first quarter because he ran. I thought he was on the cross-country team. I mean, they're up uh, 28-0 at halftime with him sitting out the second quarter. So we'll, well, we'll, He had 143 yards uh, in the first quarter. <laughs> We will get into more of Michigan. Uh, No problems on offense for the Ohio State Buckeyes on Saturday. A little bit of a slow start, but then everything was uh, fantastic. 76-5 over Miami of Ohio. We have an array of choices to pick from for our flashes of fun. Picture-perfect play of the day. We will go with this one, one of Justin Fields' four second-quarter touchdown passes to Ben Victor. Come on there, Justin. Oh, baby. (laughs) I don't know why that's uh, doing that. We'll come back to we'll that. We'll come back to it. Anyway, they... flashes of fun for your senior <laughs> pictures. It played in the test, of course, but it's not going to play no, right now. No, of course not. Um, uh, but flashes of fun on Instagram, flashes fun or on the web, flashesofun.com. They'll take your senior pictures in affordable fashion, pet pictures, anything like that. And they've been viewed and used uh, over uh, 1.7 million times on Instagram. Look, so you're getting a bargain and you're uh, getting good stuff. I'm not even going to evaluate the Ohio State game. I mean, because it's not fair. Well, you got to evaluate that throw from Fields to Victor. I mean, mean, I'm I'm saying there's a lot of great plays in the throw, right? You evaluate the throw, you don't evaluate the opponent. But it, you know, I'm I'm not going to give Chase Young an evaluation when he's he's so clearly much more dominant than the opponent. It's just not fair to evaluate and break down that. There's nothing to break down. No, not really. No, no, there's nothing to break down. I mean, guys played where they're how they're supposed to play. And everybody gets to throw a touchdown pass. I mean, in light of what we said 
for Michigan, that is something. You know, I mean, you play like you're supposed to play. Ryan Day was asked after the game if he saw a slow start coming. He said no, and then he talked about the fact that, you know, we can overlook it, but it still takes, uh, you know, living up to your expectations to perform in that fashion. You know. I thought we had a really good week of practice. I thought, um, you know, coaches did a great job of preparing them. And I'm really proud of the way the guys came out and played. I mean, uh, to come out like that after three weeks and a week of, you know, a lot of people telling us how great we were to come out and dominate like that is, is pretty impressive. So a uh, job well done. But, again, it's what have you done for me lately, and we got to go into Lincoln next, next week and get a big win. So third- 7.30, Saturday night, game, game day, day in Lincoln, Nebraska. Surprised at that, but I looked at the rest of the schedule. There's really not a ton of games. Uh, I watched Nebraska – uh, defeat Illinois late Saturday night. Did you have BTN at your hotel? Could you watch? No, that? I, I I did not, but I I checked the stats. Yeah. Of course. I mean, they were coming back the whole second half, down fourteen, down mm-hmm. seven. Finally got it done. Uh, they turned it over four times. JD had a tremendous catch over the middle, took a big shot. Uh, yeah. Your nephew JD Spielman. Nebraska can move the football. I don't know if they can move the football on Ohio State, but they'll get the full game day treatment on Saturday. They'll get Herbie and Fowler on Saturday night. So. Um, more of a test in Miami of Ohio, certainly. Oh, it is a test, and it's a test for Justin Fields to go on the road, right, and be the starter at a great venue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, along with, uh, of course, Ohio State and some of the other great venues, Nebraska, if you're an Ohio State fan, if you have a chance to get to Lincoln, you've been to Lincoln, I think, haven't you? I have you? not. That's one I have not been to. It's it's just a, a, a cool place. The people are great. It's just a, an atmosphere and a way of life. So if you're passionate about college football you're passionate about ohio state and if you want to make a road trip that's the place to go for me this is ohio state's test it's the biggest test for justin fields i'm not worried about the other guys i'm worried about i'm not even worried about it i think he's going to pass it but until he does we have to look for something to challenge these guys because they as ryan said all week we hear how people tell how you are great they are great. There's no disputing that. You Fields. beat a team 75 to 5 and you took the foot off the gas. <laughs> or 76 to 5. 76 to 5 in one half. And really, I mean, for me, Saturday was all about context. It was all about, yeah, okay, Ohio State plays an overmatched opponent, but they win like they're supposed to win. Right. And it's right on the heels of what I saw at Camp Randall, where if you take those Michigan uniforms off those guys, I feel like I'm watching. Purdue. I feel like I'm watching Indiana, and and not a bad day. No, I'm not saying I'm not being facetious, or I'm not speaking in hyperbole. Take the helmets off, and it's I'm, I might as well turn on Central Michigan, Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, yeah. Fair State, Wayne State, any other state up there, Grand Valley State, because that. Are they going to come together? Are they going to respond? Are they going to have pride? Because this offense is not what they are. That offensive line was decimated and destroyed by Wisconsin. Jake Long had a tweet out on Saturday, and he said, and it was it was really, uh, I think, said a lot without saying much. Number one overall pick, left tackle from Michigan in so, early 2000s. Yeah, he was a great player in college, so... Jake had a video of the Michigan offense walking out onto the field to start a series. 
And Jake's tweet was, look, no matter what the score, no matter the circumstances, it doesn't matter. This can never happen at Michigan. Paraphrasing slightly, but that's the message where the guys were walking out. It's like they don't want to play. They're not interested in being there. And I thought Joe Klatt or maybe it was Gus that said it during the broadcast that there's no sense of urgency. There's no energy. There's no celebration of playing the game. It's college football. It's supposed to be the time of your life. It looks like everybody's miserable under those winged helmets. I will give you what I think, in hindsight, was the turning point in the football game, and it was early. What I don't see is that exact thing. I don't see them playing hard. I don't see them playing with enthusiasm. I don't see them changing the line of scrimmage. I don't see any urgency out there. First offensive play for Michigan. Broken play, Shea Patterson makes the kind of play we were led to believe Shea Patterson's going to make all the time. He hits Ronnie Bell, and Ronnie Bell has a head start on Wisconsin's secondary along the right sideline, and he's got about 50, 60 yards to the end zone. He gets caught from behind inside the 10. You will not see an Ohio State receiver get caught from behind like that. So then Michigan comes out, and they're going to try to run it in. Josh Gaddis, new offensive coordinator, Mr. Wild Spread Offense, all this kind of stuff. He's handing the ball to Ben Mason, a guy who's been practicing at defensive tackle. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know that that's a Jim Harbaugh call, but that's a very strange call. And Ben Mason gets hit, and he fumbles the ball. And to me, in hindsight, what I saw after that is explained by those two plays, where Ronnie Bell's in that's the open point. field and can't score. So the talent disparity, the speed disparity, the urgency disparity is evident. And they fumble, and they have no inner fortitude that Michigan man thing you're talking about we're all right we got them pinned down here we'll hold them no there's none of that there's none of that and it's just I really think Michigan is more do you realize we're in 2019 there's a generation of Ohio State fans who've grown up hearing about the Ohio State-Michigan <laughs> yeah. rivalry, never and it's never it. been one. Yeah. Well, it says everything when Ohio State, in that situation on the goal line, can roll out J.K. Dobbins, Master Teague third, McCall, and about five other guys we haven't heard of yet. And Michigan's rolling out a defensive tackle converted to fullback, and he fumbles to football. Yeah. It says everything about where the two programs are. Garrett Wilson and Jamison Williams in the second half catching those balls are more demonstrative playmakers than anything I see from Michigan. I heard Urban talking on the Fox pregame show about Donovan Peoples-Jones on Friday night when he was doing USC in Utah. Donovan Peoples-Jones looks slow out there. They all look slow. I don't think they are slow, but they play slow. They're not playing with any confidence, so thought brings hesitation. (coughs) Hesitation brings embarrassment and also missed opportunities. So why they may look slow, they might be, I'm not saying they're slow, they can probably be great time 40 guys. I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know this, they're not in sync, and as a football player, if you are out there thinking, you have no shot, especially against an opponent that's not thinking. And it, it was like... It was Michigan was so slow that they made a normally slow-looking Wisconsin team look like an Olympic track team. Yeah, exactly. And now in defense, um, Wisconsin's pretty good. Wisconsin's well, good. And and their uh, 
Jimmy Leonard's a defense coordinator, good pro, was a walk-on at Wisconsin, that whole story. He's recruited more speed, and they are playing faster, but you know, we saw what Ohio State did a couple years ago. We saw it last year in a Big Ten championship. Wisconsin, I mean, they're not even in the same arena with the athletes at Ohio State have. We're going to play Wisconsin twice, I'm convinced of that. Oh, yeah. They're really good. Jonathan Taylor is the real deal, man. But he... He takes his time at the line of scrimmage finding his spot, and I'm not sure you have that luxury against Ohio State. Well, well, well that depends on that offensive line because they are tremendous at double teaming then coming off to the second level. And you call it taking your time. I call it being a great running back because he has patience and vision. Uh, West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating, they will uh, not test your patience. A lot of plumbers do. A lot of heating and cooling people do. You know the drill. You sit, you wait, you wait. They say they'll be there at 10 in the morning. They're not there. That won't happen at West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating. You say, West Jefferson, man, I don't even know where it is. We don't really need to know where it is because they know where you are. They service all of Central Ohio. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating is a great American success story. Started in 1975 by a dear, dear uh, man. One phone line in his house. Now they have trucks all over the city, and they're doing a great job Uh 879 the 614 area code, 614-879-9606. Great Lennox products, high-efficiency furnace. They will install it. They'll give you $500 off. Uh, Lennox products, they are awesome. So plumbing, heating, cooling, you name it, West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating on the web at westjeffplumbingandheating.com. Somebody's been busy while I've, I've been, been busy. I've been under the gun to produce here, so... Trying to do sell, it for sell, you. Sell, sell, sell. Trying to do it for you. Yeah, yes. I'm looking for that quarterly report, by the way. I'm working on it. Mr. CEO. I'm working on it. <laughs> you're CEO of the show. You're CEO of the advertising. You're CEO of sales. So you come up with an idea. Let's do a podcast. And then I'm, I'm made CEO. <laughs> of everything. Of everything. That's all right. Glad to do it. We're I'm driving fun. out here every day yes, to Holy Manor. That's uh, right. Putting yeah. my right life at risk with that demon-possessed cat that's walking around here somewhere. Yeah, we have the cat. Where is that thing? We have the cat safely stowed away okay. so you're not traumatized. <laughs> Today it was the dogs. <laughs> and they have the wife call the dogs off. <laughs> Do you think that you might be, you know, be? I've been coming out of here three days a week at 8 in the morning. You think you might be aware that I'm coming at 8 in the morning to, know, to stop having your animals attack? I, I really can't explain why. Normally they learn... <laughs> You know, friendly faces, <laughs> but the instincts of an animal. Next thing I uh, know, I'm not going to argue with it. Star the horse is going to come yeah. with a, 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 a hoof attack on me. Who so. knows? I'd, be, I'd watch my back if I were you. <laughs> All right. Uh, one final thought on Ohio State and Michigan contextually before we get to the Browns last night. And there's a lot there. It struck me. Michigan Saturday, they went with Shea Patterson. He was not making anything happen. McCaffrey's not your answer, by the way. I I actually like Dylan McCaffrey, but boy, that was a scary (laughs) hit. Yeah. Wow, that was a scary hit. But here's the thing. This is why, if you're a Michigan fan, I hate to doubly discourage you, but it's bad enough now in the present. But what did Saturday really tell us as we take the long view? You know, this is the year, Ryan Day, Justin Fields. Is Justin Fields really what he was supposed to be? Is Ryan Day going to be able to coach Ohio State? And la, 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 Yes. Okay, so you see Justin Fields perform. He's got 19 touchdowns through four games, second in the country in touchdowns accounted for, two more touchdowns than Dwayne Haskins had through four games. So check that box. Ryan Day can coach and Justin Fields can play. But more so, Joe Burrow throws six touchdown passes on Saturday. How about Colin Cowherd, though? Oh, yeah, that Can we bad. get into that just a second? Okay. We will get into it. But I feel bad for Colin. But I mean, I, it's you know, your guy. I, get I know. It. I, like I, I feel too. bad. Nobody likes to. I have made mistakes like that. Nobody likes to make mistakes right. like it was a big mistake. So here's what I look back on. 
The Ohio State quarterback room had Dwayne Haskins in it. It had Joe Burrow in it. Both of them left, and Ohio State goes out and finds another guy, comes in, plugs him in, and he's playing great. Michigan, they have been scrambling for a quarterback ever since Harbaugh has been there, and it's more a problem. It's it's more than a problem of how Patterson is playing. At this point in time, you have to look at four-plus years of Harbaugh with Brandon Peters at Illinois and with McCaffrey, you saying not be the answer, and with Shea Patterson not you being the answer. You think McCaffrey's the answer? I think he's better than Patterson. Okay. But I don't. I don't think he's that durable. Neither guy's the answer. How's thing, that? They can't either identify or develop a quarterback, and that has to be really sobering given that Jim Harbaugh was a quarterback yeah. and is – a guy who thinks like a quarterback. And if you can't find a quarterback, a dynamic quarterback in college football, you're not winning. Yeah, well, that's what we've been saying all along with with Harbaugh, correct? That he can't find or develop a quarterback, which is part of the conversation I had in the press box with the Detroit sports writers. The most surprising thing about Jim Harbaugh's tenure at Michigan is that exact problem. Why can't he get a guy? Why or develop a guy. Okay, here's here's a reason. Now, I, I because he was running a 1990 offense. So what do all the great high school quarterbacks want to do? They want to run the spread. They want to run the spread. They want to sling it around. They want to put up gigantic numbers, and they want to get ready to play in the NFL. Okay, but let me throw Alabama at you. They don't run the spread. Yeah, they do. They well, run. A lot, they, they have a ton of spread elements in their offense. They're they're somewhat pro style. I mean, they throw the ball down the field. I think you can run the spread and both. still throw the ball down the field. Um, Harbaugh just, I, I don't know. It's a it's a mess up there. Well, look who's Alabama's athletes are too, That's compared true. to Michigan's That's athletes. I mean, it, it comes down. Look, it doesn't matter what we're running, how we're running it. It comes down to players, and they might Michigan might have very good players, but they're not playing very well. No, they're not. They're not. That's just the fact. They're not. I mean, they got big problems. They, they're an eight and four football team in the Big Ten because it's horrendous. Besides Ohio State and Wisconsin, they need Michigan and Michigan State. You know, they're they're like the scrappy little guy that's always in a corner screaming for attention. Yeah, and they'll fight you. Speaking of bad offense, <laughs> but they'll fight you. Yeah, they will. They will they'll fight, fight you, dude. They yeah. are. They will fight. They will fight you. No doubt. They're Coach D'Antonio coaches exactly like Coach Trussell. They find exactly. ways to get wins. They really do. It's ugly. It's not pretty. No, it isn't. But they fight. Man, they are fighters. No running with scissors offense. <laughs> Brought to you by Mark D'Antonio and the nightmare from your past, Jim Bowman. All right. Now, the Browns. You said it's players. It's not play calling because that's where no. the focus is in the aftermath of last that. night's. You said you got to have players. I said that for Michigan. Okay. Not for the Browns. Play calling last night. Well, Browns there's, 20, there's a couple things. Browns lose 2013 to the Rams. Browns had the ball six-ish minutes to go inside Rams territory, fourth and nine, and they ran a draw play to Nick Chubb, and it got a yard, and it got a lot of boos. Well, it should have gotten boos. I got to believe there was a miscommunication. I, I think we have a cup of a cut of Coach Kitchens talking about that. I did something that I've never done before. Last night. First of all, I got off of the plane. I got home in time to watch the Browns game. So I analyzed the Detroit-Philadelphia game. And, you know, after you're locked and focused for three straight That's hours. all you've been thinking all week is uh, Lions yeah, and Eagles. Yeah, and, and you, But during the game, I mean, you're so locked in yeah. that when you get home, you're really tired. Because Absolutely. just mentally tired, not physically. 
But I said, I want to try this. I actually tried to analyze. I don't know if you were following me on mm -hmm. Twitter last night. I tried to analyze a game on Twitter, watching it real time. And there were a couple things that really stood out to me. That offensive line, and I, I'm going to disagree again with Joe Thomas. It's a big problem. Brown's offensive line. It's a big problem. Well, for Aaron Donald makes offensive lines have problems, but they were bad. I, I think there's was other yeah. exposures besides Aaron Donald. It's a problem. Uh, Baker Mayfield is getting uh, impatient. Chris Collinsworth had a great point last night about Baker abandoning in the pocket. The Rams knew through scouting report that Baker likes to abandon the pocket, and where does he always go? To the right. Always goes to his right. Yep. And so he's got to settle down and be a little bit more patient. He's not playing at the level that he needs to play, by the way. I thought Steve Wilkes in that defense was that's a tremendous job. Brown's defense decimated by injuries, didn't have and, either corner, and they did a nice job. And they did a really good job. I mean, they made plays. They put that offense in plenty of positions to win. Not a big Jared Goff fan based on what I saw last night. Well, he had some drops, too. There were some drops by his guys. They but are a really I, good yeah, team, but, but I'm not sure he's good enough to win a Super Bowl. I, I might be agreeing with you here. I'm not sold on him yet, either. Uh, and the other, the other issue is, look, I don't know if Freddie Kitchens is ready for this. We're going to find I, I, out. It doesn't, it doesn't do me I – I wish he were ready. Yeah. I don't understand. I, had, I, I, I hit it on a tweet last night. That ha it's fourth and nine. So you're not you got to anticipate that the Rams are not going to be playing man coverage. You're going to be playing some type of zone. So their eyes are to the backfield. Unlike the Daniel Jones touchdown to beat Tampa Bay, they were in man coverage. Daniel recognizes man coverage. He walks into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. Fourth and nine, the Rams are in zone. You can see the backfield. You can read the offensive lineman on a quick set and a short set. That is an indicator for the draw play. And sure enough, there was nobody there. They had three or four guys right around there. So for him to call the draw or Baker to check to a draw, I don't know what it was. Somebody had to miscommunicate it because I could not dial up a worse call than a draw play on fourth and nine because you have to anticipate that the defense is going to be in zone. And when you're in zone defense, it's easy to defend the draw. Uh, here is Baker Mayfield, Pat McMenamin of The Athletic, asking Baker Mayfield about that draw play on fourth and nine. From what you saw in the Rams defense, did that fourth and nine draw look like it would have a chance? Um, no. We'll go back and look at it. No. What you think of the call? I mean, I know what you guys are going to try and do is talk about the play calling, but uh, you know what? That's why I said execution is the most important thing. You know, whatever... Whatever we have called, we got to do our job. Good answer. Yeah, that's not a bad answer. Here's Freddie Kitchens. Same situation. Doug Lay Maurice, our friend from Cleveland.com, asking Freddie what happened on the fourth and nine. What happened on the fourth and nine play call? Uh, bad call. Awful. Is that play? Did you want that play call? Yes, I wanted that play call. Wow. What was? Did you think you'd catch him in a? What was your thinking on that? It just didn't work. It was a bad call. There you go. So there's got to be an out. There's got to be an out. You got to have an audible to that. Yeah. I mean, there's there's got to be a counter. 
And I don't know if it's Baker has the leeway to make a counter or an audible. That you couldn't be in a worse call. And at least he's taking responsibility for that. Right? Yeah. So then the Browns hold and get the ball back. Right. And drive it down the field. And they have three timeouts. And they get the ball to the Rams' five-yard line. Yep. They have a, I think they have a minute left. All timeouts left. And three timeouts. And they throw it four times. Do you recall, were they empty in the backfield all four? Uh, I don't know. I know they were empty in the last two, I believe. They were empty in the last two, and I Mayfield was, was under heavy pressure yeah. on I, the last couple. I was, I, was, I was fully anticipating that he was going to do a Daniel Jones, especially if he would catch man's, uh, Rams in man coverage mm-hmm. and run a quick quarterback draw or step up into the pocket. The problem is that he's not stepping up into the pocket, and I don't know if that he has trouble seeing the field when he steps up into the pocket because he really does have a bad habit of bailing to his right really early. Yeah, and teams are going to exploit that. So, I bet the Ravens are going to exploit that when they play the Browns this week. Here's Freddie Kitchens on, uh, in hindsight, the fact that he should have run it at least once down on the goal line. I uh, should have run it once. Should have run it three times. I just didn't. If you're saying that after a game that you realize you should have called run I was, plays there. I was being facetious. I should have run it one time. Um, I should have. That's why I'm kicking myself in the ass for it right now. Is that anything that is that an issue with the play calling in the moment if after the game you're realizing I should have done something wow. that you didn't do then? Um, I should have called more of a direct run. That's all I'll say. Okay, that to me is a little passive aggressive. Is that Freddie Kitchens saying Baker Mayfield should have checked to a run? Yes. But he doesn't want to say it. Yes. I should have called more of a direct run. That's all I'll say. Yes. Okay, you said you don't know if Freddie Kitchens can handle this or not. And I said, well, this is the heat turned all the way up. Yeah. One and two, you're 0 oh and two at home. You're going to play the Baltimore Ravens. You got the Saints and the Patriots yeah. and the Bills on Get the really ugly. And now is the time where this kind of stuff, the passive aggressive stuff, and Baker Mayfield's got to be a big enough guy that that doesn't bother him. He's got to be a big enough guy to say, yeah, I should have checked to a run. My bad. But if these guys start, oh, he's blaming me, really? Well, let me tell you about this. What do you think of this call? What do you think of this is the, and I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm saying this is the test it's, of a team. This is where you have to decide if you're a team or if you're in CYA mode, because it's going to get really difficult for this team if they start going the CYA route, because the yeah. teams they're playing are too good. And you know, my supposition is that they got a lot of me guys on this team. When you bring over Odell, it just it just bugged me to no end that he wore the shiny visor again last night. I saw the shiny visor, and I'm like, really? He's going like to do what he wants to do. The last game, you had to take that off, and you left your team on an island, and people say, well, he got this visor cleared. Still, Miles Garrett wears a visor. It's a clear visor. Miles Garrett's a pretty good player. Yeah. Miles Garrett doesn't seem to need, like, the one, two, three, look at me visor to function out there. And I just, you can say it's a small thing, but you've said before, small things are indicators of big things. And this is a maybe a small thing in a press conference that we just heard, but I'm telling you right now, my antenna's up. 
I mean, you're starting to see a crack. Can they? You're you're a handyman. What do you do with cracks? Put caulk in them spackle. or something. Put spackle. Sp- spackle the cracks, or yeah. it's it's going to you know come falling happened? down. The crack gets bigger. Eventually. It's going to and and right there, both answers. I thought Baker did a really good job. Yeah, I mean, Baker he, was Baker was good. He did a really good job. You know, and he's right. Whatever place called, you have to execute. execute but it. you got to put your team as a play caller in position to run the best play against a particular defense. So I, 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 you know, right now you would have to say if we're looking at matchups, right, we talk about player versus player matchups. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Wade Phillips beat Freddie Kitchens. And guess what? I thought Steve Wilkes beat Sean McVay last night. Yeah, I, I want to give credit to Wilkes because that was a great game plan, and that's what the Rams are facing. That's what the Cincinnati uh, Bengals when their offense is facing, everybody's doing to the Rams what the Patriots did to them in the Super Bowl. I will give Freddie Kitchens some credit, and I took some heat after the game for this. Uh, look, last night's game, I expected to be a comfortable Rams win, given all the Browns' injuries uh, going into the game. And people say, well, you know, it was the defense that played, so it's Steve Wilkes that gets the credit. I do think the head coach sets the tone, sets the belief tone yeah. for a team. And so I do have to give Freddie Kitchens credit that he had his team in a competitive mindset going into last night's game. And you can say, well, that's a given. And it is, but still, that's the old injuries, Browns mentality, can, injuries can leak in and can make it say, well, we don't have Denzel Ward and we don't have yeah, Greedy Williams. We don't. So I will give him credit in that regard. I'm, I'm not one to nitpick play calling because I don't know the things you know but the draw was a bad call you're trying to you're trying you don't have sometimes to qualify you, yourself sometimes you, you know enough to know that's a bad call you it's don't a bad need call to, you don't need to qualify I you did think too football. when you have three timeouts and you're inside the five and Nick Chubb has had a really good night on the ground why is the other thing have Nick Chubb in the backfield if only to chip Aaron Donald when he comes steaming through there <laughs> well the other thing and the the thing that's being missed also that we haven't at least we haven't discussed is Baker's got to be better. He does. No he doubt. missed he missed a lot of opportunity. He missed Jarvis Landry wide open running across the field. Those are are, are plays when you're playing a good team that you have to make. Those are easy throws for a quarterback. He has to make them. And they need to keep him in the pocket. Now, I'm going to watch as we progress through the season and I want to see if he actually can step up into the pocket because his best play can't be Baker running around crazy and no. making a play. I mean, instantly it, as a Browns fan, when he rolls right, when he rolls right and he's retreating, I'm like, okay, well that that's not going to work. That's not going to work. <laughs> oh, consistently, he might get a play here or there, but consistently, by the it's way, not going to work. Let me say this while we're uh, on the Browns and they're playing the Ravens. I know Lamar Jackson's getting a ton of, you know. Love today because he brought Deserved it back it. against the Chiefs. No, he's did you see it. his two big plays? He threw it up for grabs, and oh. eight times out of ten, that's going to get you beat. I still oh. do not believe in Lamar oh. Jackson. Believe it. Okay, believe him. Believe in Lamar Jackson. I do. We'll see who the Ravens. Long live Lamar. Is. We'll see who the Ravens' quarterback is in two years. We'll see who the Ravens and the Browns. How that game works out next week. Well, you're, you're Mr. Brown talking again. trash on the Ravens. Are you, as uh, a Browns fan? I'm just saying I don't believe in Lamar Jackson. Are you? Are you rescinding the walk that you took? Years ago, are you now? You're, no, you're I'm not bailing. Ace, you're you're a Browns fan. I told now. you I can't, I can't, I can't uh, let the crack <laughs> need more spackle. I'm gonna stay in there with All my right. squad. Uh, I didn't expect a playoff berth this year. A lot of I don't think you have make an instant football team just by adding no. talent. And what did I say when I got OBJ? You can't win in a team sport with a me guy. Yeah. So uh, 
So there's that. By the way, I did say I would question you today. I promised on Twitter last night. We talked about the Browns being empty down on the goal line with three timeouts and a minute left. Mm -hmm. The Rams had like second and one, and they're throwing on second down, and then they're like empty on third down. It drives me nuts. Up four. What are you doing? You said Gurley. Gurley had... Gurley doesn't present any fear but anymore. If only have him in the backfield so you can play action. It's all if you ba- don't have him back there, you can't Look, play I, action. I, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I'm going to say why teams do this because there is a matchup that they want to exploit, or like the touchdown pass when 35 ducks his head oh. and Cooper Cup runs right by him. If yeah. you're playing man coverage, I mean, from you know, unless the rules have changed. You don't give up the inside, guy and you don't line. lower your head and swing and miss. <laughs> Not on the goal line. No. You have a 12th line defender. The, the back end line of the goal line is your 12th <laughs> defender. So that's maybe why they did it, because they think, okay, this guy, our guy, can beat their guy eight out of ten times. By the way, while we're on coaching mistakes, uh, we have some Bengal fans who listen to the podcast. I know you didn't have a chance to watch the Bengals yesterday, but it's 21-17 to 17 Bills. And the reason why it's 21 to 17 at the end of the game instead of 20 to 17 is because after the Bills scored their first touchdown, the Bengals come out for the extra point with 12 guys on the field. Mm. And so uh, Sean McDermott, the head coach, Ugh. is given the option to kick it or to try for two from the one yard line. And he tried for two from the one yard line and they scored. And that extra point. Not the PAT, but the additional yeah. point from the two pointer at the end is a killer to the Bengals, who then have to score a touchdown to win the game rather than just kick a field goal to get to overtime. Yeah. That's inexcusable. 12 guys on the field on a PAT coverage unit. Yeah. That's, you're right. I got nothing for you. I mean, there. I, what do you want me? I, I love Zach Taylor. I love Lou Anarumo. But that's, it's inexcusable for an NFL team. That reminds me, and thanks for bringing this memory up. When the Minnesota Vikings are playing the Saints back in 2010, mm, championship out of game. a timeout, they come out of the timeout with 12 guys. <sighs> I, I I don't know how that's possible. I really so don't. So Zach Taylor after the game is yelling at his team, we're not getting any breaks, we're going to be fine. I'm thinking, well, you know, you sure you recovered a fumble they didn't give you, and yeah, there was a bad pass interference call, but dude, 11 guys on the field for the PAT coverage. Yeah, they don't have the luxury of making – mistakes and they're not good enough to overcome uh, mistakes the Uh, team of almost we appreciate you guys listening to the podcast our uh, subscribers are at an all-time high we're really thankful for that and we love your emails to spielman podcast at gmail.com this one comes from sandy she says i cannot tell you how happy i was when i heard the two of you were doing a podcast i drive an hour each way to work every day and look forward to listening oh man my eyes are Yeah, I know, dude. Look forward to listening to the two of you every morning and listening to Jackson and McCoy on my way home. It definitely made that drive easier. I feel like you guys cover everything Buckeyes in a great way, and I'm glad to be able to stay up on all my Buckeye news through your podcast. I love the fact that you are offering inspiration and discussing your faith in today's world where we are not permitted to discuss those things in public. We're That's not? Right. Well, I was going to get to that. Okay. It's refreshing to hear. Keep up the great work, and I'm excited to continue listening and getting my daily, weekly fix of Spielman and Hooley love that you're back. I understand what she's saying by saying we can't talk about it in public because there is, um, this is the beauty of the podcast format, by the way, mm-hmm. is that eventually we're going to say something that's probably going to offend somebody. And don't take this the wrong way, but if it does, uh, we're not, I, I doubt we'll apologize for it because we tr- strive to present 
biblical truth here and fold it into the context of life. And not always are you given the freedom to do that because it can cost you your job. You do have to be uh, on guard because uh, there are dark forces in the world that prowl around and can cause you all kinds of problems. Um, But that's why we like this format. That's why we like to be able to share from our heart at the end of the podcast every day. And sometimes, you know, our theme here is we tackle life. We'll get to the point where there's not a lot of football going on, and we probably will be tackling life more than we're tackling football and sports on this podcast. Um, first of all, if you listen to this podcast, you know, you're the ones that tuned us in. We make no apologies for what we're going to talk about. Uh, on the other hand, keep in mind that we're not trying to impose what we believe on anybody. I mean, the whole part of the Christian faith or, or belief system is free will. Mm-hmm. I'm not imposing anything on you. I'm just exposing to you what I believe, which brings me to my dilemma okay, or my struggle. And we try to do this to, to show that, like you, we have the same struggles uh, like many of you have out there. In my biggest struggle or challenge, I should say, I don't want to say struggle, it's a challenge, is forgiveness. I really struggle with forgiveness. I that struggle, surprises me because oh, well, I, I feel like you do it much better than I do. Well, I thought of it. You were my inspiration. <laughs> Boy, here we go. <laughs> you were my inspiration to bring this topic to okay. the table today. Good way or bad way. And, my, and, and, and me because... Um, when somebody hurts us, and whether it's a family member, mm-hmm. a friend, a job, or a social situation, automatically being competitors, the first thing, or human beings. And the, men, too. That's yeah, a male thing. The first thing we want to do is strike back, right? Yeah. And I can say this. Some of the experiences that I've had with my life, when I felt that I've been wronged, uh, I have a problem forgiving, and it just will eat you up inside. It changes. If you can't forgive, it eventually changes who you are as a person, or in my case, as a man. Rage, anger, frustration will change who you are. And I actually, this is a God's blessing, I was actually able to recognize that because of certain things that happened in my life at certain points in my life, Mm -hmm. that this rage and anger and this wanting for revenge was starting to change who I am. My language was changing. My thought process was changing. My I don't give a crap attitude was growing. Mm -hmm. And I had to do something about it. So two conversations helped me readjust. One conversation was with a priest in downtown Chicago, and I'm talking to the priest, and I'm telling him this. I say, look, you know, I I struggle with forgiving people, and I struggle with I can't forgive myself. What do I do about that? And he looked at me, and he said, when I said I struggle forgiving people, but I do eventually give it to forgiveness, and he said, look, you can't give away something that you don't have. If you don't have forgiveness for yourself, it's very difficult to give away 
uh, forgiving other people. So that was keeping me back. I couldn't forgive other people because I wasn't forgiving myself for whatever, past sins, whatever the case may be. Okay. And that really hit home with me. Mm -hmm. And the other conversation was, and again, it's about forgiving ourselves, right? Because I don't know, I mean, I know you quite well. I don't know if you beat the heck out of yourself when you screw up, sin, make a mistake, whatever the case may be. Definitely. I, I, and, and I really have a difficult time forgiving myself. So a friend of mine, Dave Pash, mm -hmm. who I've worked with, and I was having this conversation with Dave about, this was about three years ago. And I'm telling him all these situations that, Dave, I can't forgive myself, man. This is, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm just not that person. I don't know why I did that. I'm, I made a mistake. I don't know what happened. And Dave said to me, he said, you're not a, you're not a mean person. You're a selfish person. I go, what are you talking about, dude? I just poured my heart out to you trying to get a little bit of sympathy, a little bit of support from my friend. And he goes, here's the support. Here's the reality. How many times are you going to nail Jesus to the cross? Apparently, once wasn't enough for you. You just want to keep hanging him up there and pounding nails. Is it three? Is it four? Is it five? Is it every time that you can't forgive yourself or somebody else, you're going to keep pounding nails into the guy? Once was enough. That's not me talking. That's that's truth talking. So I want to challenge everybody today that or that downloads this, that if you're struggling with something and it's something that you've done wrong or that somebody has wronged you, please practice forgiveness. It'll cleanse your soul. It'll cleanse your body. It'll cleanse your mind. If you don't, it will ravage you from the inside out. Take it from experience. Yeah, I concur with that 100%. Um, I um, had something happen to me years ago that it was just really a big problem for me. Year, it took years uh, to get to the point, and it made, you know, the realization is that whatever you think you're harboring that can, you know, whatever you think you're accomplishing by having those feelings towards someone else, you're not damaging them nearly as much as you're damaging yourself. I heard somebody say it recently that, not forgiving other people is like eating rat poison and expecting someone else to die. That's a great analogy. Yeah. So it's it's hard um, to do. Why is it hard for us and for our people that are listening to this? Because I think the, our nature, our sin nature, is if someone hurts you, <laughs> want to hurt them back. Want to make them feel what you feel, what they made you feel. And that's a very human emotion. It's just not a Christ-like emotion. Uh, the thing that I have to remember is that um, forgiveness for me became easier when I became fully aware of how far short I fall right. of God's standard of perfection, which allowed me to understand what I've been forgiven for. Every bad thought, every bad intention, everything I put into practice outwardly where you, my wife, and other people could see it, and everything that only I know. The pinned tweet on my Twitter account is, Jesus is the only person who knows the real me. You and I know each other well. You don't know the real me, no. and I don't know the real you. No. And, and no one knows you like you do because only you know your thoughts. Only you know your thoughts. And so when I became fully aware of how um, 
grievous my sin was to marry it to a holy God, to expect him to accept me despite all my dirt and all my garbage. And he did, and he does, because when Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it's finished. It's finished. You don't have to put, keep putting me up here. It's finished. <laughs> yeah, I was doing that. When I realized that, that I'm freed of, he's freed me of that. Well, who am I to hold someone else, you know, accountable for something? That's between them and God. It's not between mm-hmm. them and me. And Scripture says you'll be forgiven to the extent that you forgive others. Yeah. Well, I really think that the lack of forgiving ourselves is spiritual warfare because people will say, well, I'm no good. Yeah. I'm not worthy of that anyway, so I don't care. And that is a lie that the enemy uses. It's deception. It's a lie. It's interesting because one of the big lies in our culture, apart from the from the relationship with Christ side, one of the things that I try to get my kids to understand is this whole culture of, and it's in commercialization on every commercial everywhere, you deserve this. You deserve a better phone. You deserve a better car. You deserve, you deserve, yeah. deserve. And that's how they get you to, you know, max your credit cards out and do all this. You don't deserve it. Spiritually, you don't deserve forgiveness. It's a gift from God, and all you have to do is accept it. That's the, that's the definition of grace. Absolutely. My grace is sufficient. But in terms of what Satan tells you is, uh, the deserve it thing that Satan plays on you is a total lie. You don't deserve to be happy. You don't deserve to be forgiven. Screw up all the time. You don't deserve right. it. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. No, nobody's good enough. Nobody's good enough. Billy Graham wasn't good enough. Right. Mother Teresa wasn't good enough. So on the cultural side, the whole deserve it thing is a complete lie because they're trying to get your kids to buy into popularity and prestige and all this stuff. But on the, the when Satan digs at you and eats at you and torments you and tells you, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve to be forgiven. You know, that is a total lie because Jesus settled that at the cross. I, w- I want to hit on one point that an argument that somebody might make, well, how can you say that when the Bible says an eye for an eye and what people that, and this happens in politics all the time when somebody tries to quote the Bible, that the one thing they keep missing is that there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. And the New Testament, is there's a new set of rules. Christ makes a new set of rules in the New Testament. Obviously, the Old Testament points to Christ, but when the Old Testament, there were different sets of rules, and the New Testament is, and it's stated by Christ, it's a new covenant. It's a new deal. And the reason why, I mean, Jesus did say, I came to fulfill the law. I right. came to fulfill it. He didn't, For come you. To, he didn't come to nullify it. But you can say, well, why were those rules there? And we're not saying that that doesn't mean the Ten Commandments don't apply. That, you know, oh, okay, the rules don't apply. I can do that. Oh. No, no, no. The rules are there to make you aware of how, f- of how far, far short you, you fall. fall. Yep. And the fact that you can't do it on your own. The only way you can do it is to lay it on Jesus and say, I can't do it. He did it for me. 
And I accept that. Yeah. I, I accept it. I claim it. I claim it. It's mine. I'm not guilty. So in closing on this, I just want to encourage all of you, if there's something that's eating at you, someone or some situation, and you have a hard time forgiving someone in that situation, and it might take time, but I encourage you to forgive because it will cleanse you and you'll feel much better about who you are and inside hopefully that rage or anger or that desperation for revenge will dissipate. Yeah, and you have to, it, Chris is right, it takes time, but you have to take the step. You have to take the purposeful yeah. first step. You have to either find a friend to confide in, find a counselor, find a pastor, find somebody who can help you through it and decide, I am going to get by this. And it takes a purposeful first step. And you can, you know, we'll be praying for you in that regard. If you want to share with us on email, uh, to point you to somebody. We could, we'd could be more than happy to do that. Uh, we appreciate your time today. We'll be back Wednesday with another edition of the Spielman and Hooley podcast. Please go to pleasereviewmypodcast.com to leave a review. It really helps us with advertisers uh, because, you know, we enjoy doing this, but we're raging capitalists. My CEO is going to have a meeting with the, with the board if <laughs> he doesn't pick it up. We'd love to justify uh, our time on the financial side. No lie on that regard. All right, everybody, have a great day. Talk to you again soon.